Shoppers, and welcome back to another podcast episode of Because Life Can Be a Niche. I am so glad you came into the living room and are here with us today. If you are watching this on YouTube, the channel, Life Can Be a Niche, hey, hit the subscribe button. It is free, doesn't cost you a thing, helps us out a lot. Make sure you get in the comments. That also helps me out because I know what you think about the episode and it allows me to also prepare future episodes based on your comments and what you have to say. And for those of you who are listening, please be sure to follow me on at Katie Bryant Writes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Love to see you also on my uh, blog site, katiebryantwrites.com and life unfolding. As you can tell, the theme is life. And that's what we do. We talk about life and all things related to it. So with that said, you know we always start our episode off with a tea of the episode. And our tea mm, smells yummy, yummy, yummy. If you could smell this, I would just, oh my goodness, I'd love for you to. But the tea is almond biscotti. That is almond biscotti uh, is my tea. I've had this for quite a while. Of course, I keep the canisters, but it keeps it fresh. But it's one of my favorites. And even though it's summertime and it is very warm out, uh, I still like a, a little warm, like nutty flavor of the almond biscotti. It is so good and so flavorful. And I've always shared with you that I sweeten my tea with uh, German rock sugar or amber rock sugar. So this is what it looks like. Um, and you can order this off of Amazon. Uh, and just order a pound or whatever. It's not that expensive, but to me, it gives loose leaf teas a flavor that is like no other. Um, so just wanted to share that with you and, and before we hop into our episode and talk about what's going on in the world, in life today, what the niche is for the day. Well, I, let me tell you, I am a little nervous, I must admit, because uh, my cousin, I'm going to call her out, my cousin Nina, who is really my sister, uh, and she is so, so, so supportive and thoughtful and and honest, which is what I need. And she was watching like some pictures I posted, you know, for my birthday last weekend. And she said, um, she didn't say anything, actually. She sent me some videos of natural hair because she knows I've been, you know, rocking the natural for years. But I'm one of those people who... I don't really like to spend a whole lot of time doing things, especially my hair. So when I say, when it said wash and go, that's what I've been doing. Like literally shampooing my hair and like, you know, throwing a little bit of product in or whatever and just walking out the house. I don't do the roots and pull anything, none of that stuff. So anyway, she sent me videos on how to do a wash and go. I knew then she's thinking, okay, your hair looks wild. You look crazy, which I think is crazy. It's good. That's life. That's who I am. And I was like, okay, all right, let me give this a shot. So, y'all, I think I gave myself a jerry curl. I, I really do because I, I I did, I went on YouTube and I watched these, like, two or three videos and everybody was doing the same thing and doing the roots and making sure your hair is moisturized. That's the whole word of the day was moisture. And so I, I did it. And I even sat under the dryer, but... Like, I feel like I have activated, like there's activator in my hair. Like, I have brought back the Jerry Curl of 1984, and it's now in my 
in my head. I mean, yeah, my hair is soft like they said it would be, but I'm sure I must have done. It's a user error. I must have done something wrong because I'm afraid that before, if you're watching the YouTube channel, before this video ends, you're going to see my neck just get shiny and glistening and it's going to look like I have sprayed curl activator all over my head because I really do think I've given myself a jerry curl. But let's just pray that we make it to the end and we don't have any uh, malfunctions of the head going on here. And I even wore my dangling earrings to distract you, if you're watching this, from the fact that I, there may be shiny glistening oils, berry juices, whatever I got going on in this head today. I'm just warning you now. I'm just letting you know. But anyway, enough of that. Enough of me being silly. Let's get into the discussion uh, today. And I, I guess I should set this up by telling you what I did earlier this week. So earlier this week, I posted on Instagram, and I think even in my Facebook story, like, you know, ask me anything, and, um, and I'll answer it on the next podcast. And so I just put it out there. I, you know, I didn't know if people even care. I won't know anything. I mean, it's not like, you know, who are you? Who, who wants to know? But anyway, I threw it out there just to have some discussion and some talk. And uh, someone actually referenced uh, one of my posts uh, from last week because I talked about preparing uh, with the end in mind and living with the end in mind and preparing, you know, your wills and your estate and having uh, your executors and your trustees already, you know, chosen and the conversation that you need to have with your family and friends uh, in case of your death so that you are already prepared. So the subject on the last podcast, please check it out if you didn't listen, is living with the end in mind. And I don't just talk about, you know, wills and things like that. I also talk about life and, and preparing for your next and preparing, setting yourself up for success. And it, and it comes with, you know, the end in mind when you're doing that. And if you live everyday life with the end in mind, what a difference it would make in how we do things. Well, anyway, enough about that. Um, in my post, I said, you know, one of my biggest fears as a uh, divorced uh, mom of boys is making sure they're taken care of financially uh, in the, in case, you know, I die or when I die, just making sure that I have some type of financial inheritance for them uh, when the time comes. And someone referenced that and they said, okay, well, okay, that's one of your fears. You know, what's another one of your fears? That was a question. And I thought about it and um, still thinking about it uh, as, because it sat with me for a little bit because I, I have a lot of things that sometimes cause me a little bit of indigestion. I won't say that I'm living a life of fear because I do have faith, but there are some things that scare me and some things that actually bother me. And, um, and this was one that just kind of hit home because it's Father's Day weekend. So as we're recording this, um, I am uh, in a place of also remembering my father. I, I've shared on the podcast before. I lost my dad. Um, it still hasn't even been two years yet. But this will be my second Father's Day without him. And... Um, and thinking about that and thinking about the financial inheritance you leave for your children, I also think about wisdom and leaving them with wisdom and, and teaching them so that they are prepared. And, and that, to me, 
is something in life that takes them far beyond anything that I can do for them financially. Well, I guess what scares me a little bit is um, raising my sons alone. And um, especially, you know, as I think about that now, because I am divorced, I have two young men and and my father, it just hits me so much this weekend because my father was such a force in our lives. And it, I do believe that there's not, everything happens for a reason, that there is nothing that happens that is by surprise. It does not take God by surprise. And everything is, is as it should be. And when my father was diagnosed with cancer, uh, now I would say maybe six years ago, um, as God would have it, the actual cancer treatment center that he went to is the same place that treated my mother when she was diagnosed, um, gosh, when she was 33 years old, so almost 40 years ago. And, and it's one of the best uh, facilities in Atlanta for uh, cancer treatment. And so as God would have it, my father was here. And he pretty much lived with us. So the last four years of his life, even if they would go back home for a few weeks here or there or in between chemo, um, he spent the majority of his time here in our home and with my boys. And the amount of time that they spent together was immeasurable. And it is something that I know they will have with them for the rest of their lives. But it's also something that I miss terribly because they don't have that constant, steady force every day in the home. And I, and I think that is important. And, um, you know, people say, you know, well, you have friends or, or whatever, but I'm an only child. So it's not like I have a brother or, or anything so I can say, hey, go, you know, hang with uncle, you know, whomever. It's just, it's just me. And the friends who are guys who are actually friends of mine uh, don't even live in the state. So people who I go to for advice or say, hey, man, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? They're not here to necessarily pour into them uh, as it, I'm sure if they lived here, it would be a different story. So it's. A little bit of a different setup and I you know jotted my notes down because I want to make sure that I explain as I answer the question that I explain it because I, I know that you know as moms and especially those of us who are single for whatever reason this is a subject that I'm sure hits home um, it was something that uh, before I actually got a divorce it was something that I, I weighed heavily uh, on because it is, to me, a, such an important force to have that constant uh, male uh, figure, uh, father figure, um, mentor in your life. And so, sure, you can you sign them up for sports and recreation, and you can put them in all kinds of camps, but, you know, that goes so far. It's not like they are going to teach them, you know, what God says for man. And even if you get that, you won't have that constant. I mean, you get a couple of hours a day, but it's not like you're going to have that 
all the time. You know, you really need someone who is teaching manhood. And that's something a woman, as much as we can do, as much as we can do, uh, we cannot teach a young man how to be a man. We can teach them how to be a good human. We can teach them God's uh, what God calls us to be as men and as women. But in terms of modeling that, it is something where, you know, well, that the buck stops right there. You know, I can't model for you how to walk as a man or how to how you handle things as a man. I can only tell you what my father left with me. Uh, you, you can only get that from, you know, your dad. And 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 but it's it has to be constantly reinforced, especially now. And so, you know, it's it's not like. Um, it's, it's not the same, you know, just to say you can have a surrogate, uh, person to come and talk about manhood. That's no, then that doesn't happen. It's, it's not a surrogate. It has to be something that's constant. And I will tell you, um, also that there, I always worry about it because there's a stigma, I think, to how children are perceived or judged based on the family dynamic or what's happening in their home. So um, I'll just confess, when I was, when I first divorced and, you know, no one really knew uh, that we were divorced. We didn't necessarily go around announcing it or sharing it uh, with people. And I remember um, being, uh, going to like a couple of PTA meetings or when I would take the kids to register them for school and I would put on my wedding ring and go to all these meetings and, uh, or when I would have a meeting or when I would go to the doctor, even if, if it was something for their checkups or their appointments, I would put my wedding ring on. And I know that that was about a little bit about me, but also about them too. And, and where, it, where it was really, you know, I'm just being as honest and as raw and as real as I possibly can. For me, I felt like people treated you differently if they thought you were from a, a, a whole traditional, if you will, family unit. And, and I, because I've, watch when I was married. I remember watching how people would look at, you know, folks coming in who may have been from a single family unit or, or a single parent home and how they would just talk to them even and, and how they would, to me, judge a little bit. And and I always noticed that. It was always something that I noticed. And even if they didn't even know if that person was and they didn't have on a ring, you know, or I would hear people talking about, oh, well, is is she married? Oh, well, no, I don't think she's married. You know, it's always this, it was this stigma. And that was a stigma that I walked away when I got divorced. That's something that I walked away with was that same stigma. Like, I don't think I will receive the same treatment or my kids will be treated the same if people say, oh, well, if they're from a broken home. You know, even the word broken just always rubbed me the wrong way even when I wasn't divorced you know just hearing people say well it was broken like no it's it's officially and legally a separate situation it's been separated legally and the covenant has been broken with God but 
it's not a broken home. The home is standing. The people are standing. They're, they're healthy. They're alive. And so that was always something that was my issue. And so I did that for a very long time. I would even say maybe a year or two. I walked around with that ring only when I would go to the doctor or, like I said, to school meetings. And um, But I think for my children, I was concerned about how they would be treated or how they would be received, or how, you know, everybody's, you know, at football practice or baseball practice, and both parents are there, and, and my children only have one parent, and they even shared with me uh, when the divorce first happened, how they felt uncomfortable, because uh, all of their friends had both parents, and they were not in that same situation, so a lot of layers to that, and that's something that I definitely am not afraid to talk about, uh, but I want to share that with other people and, and professionals when we get into that subject about some of the psychological things that come when uh, the home is no longer a two-parent home, but a one-parent home with the other parent living someplace else. And, um, and just to, you know, even to take it a step farther, um, I, I just I just remember conversations and just hearing how people discussed other people's business because you know folks people nosy and they get all in your business and um, and I just re remember just listening to some conversations where you know how people would dismiss or grade you know your family situation based on what what was happening so you know with someone if they were a, a widow you know I just remember folks saying well you know her husband died. Oh, that's too bad. You know, so they get a pass. And then, you know, divorced. Oh, oh, oh she's divorced. Oh, okay. Well, at least they were married. You know, I've heard people say that. And then, you know, when someone's just single and made the choice not to get married and, you know, not to have a partner in the home, then the narrative to me changed. And even now, um, there is a a narrative around that, you know, where in the Black Lives Matter uh, discussion and, and then, you know, people trying to grasp at every straw they can, trying to justify right or wrong or justify their side or, or, or try to, you know, place blame on certain things. You know, the one thing that comes up is, you know, well, oh, they were, you know, this was a good kid. You, you know, he or she was from a two-parent home. As if, you know, those who are not from a two-parent home, you know, well, hey, you know, they, well, there you go. Well, you need a father in the home. And I definitely agree. I, I do think that um, having a positive male force in the home consistently actually is great for that child. It's great for their development. Uh, but I will not use that as a reason as to why, you know, they got in trouble or something. Because I've seen people from two-parent homes get in just as much trouble and just as much mischief as those who are not. But, you know, even in that narrative, I've, I've seen it so much, especially recently, where it's, you know, well, the issue is people need to have two-parent homes, or the issue is this, or the issue, the reason this is happening to these young black men is because they don't have a father in the home, and it's you know, on and on and on and on. And, and, and that to also leaves a, a, it leaves a gap there and a stigma there that, um, 
you know, I think is uh, up for a great debate for sure, but um, one that takes on a connotation that can be negative. And, and that is also uh, troubling, especially for those of us who are out here raising young men and young women um, on our own. And so uh, that is a little bit different. But I will say, because it is Father's Day weekend, you know, shout out to and hands up to all of the fathers who may not be in the home anymore, may be divorced, may have never married, but are an active force in their children's lives. And there is a consistent, constant going to all the meetings, going to all the games, practices, there in their lives, there in their faces, at the house visiting or whatever, going on vacation, whatever it is, they are a constant uh, force and a presence. And I do think that that makes all the difference in the world, whether you're in the home or not, uh, is to be active and to be available and to constantly remind that child that you are their father. I think that is important. And I also think it's worth recognizing especially Father's Day weekend, because that is that is the case. So it always kind of, you know, bothers me a little bit when people, I think, judge or assume that because there is a not a marriage or there is not a two-parent home, that there is a lack there. Because I know plenty of people, I have very close friends, plenty of people who never married the father of their children and uh, it's no difference. There was not a beat miss. It's as if they were, are married to me in terms of being there for that child and, and actually leading and guiding and, and showing them the way. So there is that side of it, too, that I hope, you know, people will see that as well and not just see, you know, that it's not a two-parent home and then automatically think, okay, well, problem city, uh, because that's not the case at all sometimes, very often. But... um just even, you know, when you're, you're thinking about that, you know, I, I think about um, just when, you know, remember Good Times. It's one of my favorite shows as a kid. And I just remember when James Evans died and, and everybody, I was like, oh, the show is over because James is dead. And then Florida is there with the kids and, and they living and they trying to just make it out, you know, keeping the head above water, making a way where they can, you know, and I'm like, now nah, James gone. And, and I remember just thinking how the structure, the family structure changed. It hurt me that James was gone. And, you know, that, that to me is in real life too. I think you life imitates art, you know, the structure changes when uh, there is not a presence in the house. I just remember thinking, Lord, what is going to happen? I didn't even want to watch the next episode after James's funeral, to be honest. I was like, I don't know if, if, if it's even worth watching the show now that James is not here. And, and often, I think that is in reality, too. Like, okay, the structure is so different. You know, what, what is going to happen? And it's a terrible situation when, you know, you see a family unit that is so dependent on a strong father figure like James was and or even you know on a more personal level my kids with my dad because he was in the house so their father is in their lives but he's not in our home but for the four years that my father the last four years on earth he was pretty much here and he was there constant and and I just remember I recall the situation that happened where I realized it hit me in the face like 
the children notice. They notice the difference between a man running things and a woman. And I, I will I will share with you, tell you this, I'll share this with you. There was a situation that happened in our family that um, left my children with hurt feelings, deeply hurt feelings. And, and I knew it would, but I couldn't stop it from unfolding the way it was unfolding. And so... I just remember, you know, sitting sitting with them and talking to them about, you know, life hurts, things happen, you know, we get hit, we things happen that we don't expect, but we move on and we look we look to God for we pray about it, we move on and we don't dwell in the negative part of that. And I remember my son, my oldest son saying to me, you know, this wouldn't have happened if granddad was alive and it was like it's like a it was a like a punch to the gut and and I'm like I'm not a little girl you know I got I got enough to, to take a good punch but I was thinking wow first of all that's something that I've never said my mom doesn't say so so when my father passed you know, one thing that I try not to do is say, you know, what would have happened differently if dad were here? Because that is, first of all, it's sad thinking that and it's painful. And then it also, it starts, you know, you in, you're in this fantasy of living life as well, if he were here, what? What we do is we share memories of him. We talk, we tell stories. We we talk about the things that he did and, and, and what he said. We watch videos of him talking to them or interacting. And they just had this thing. They had this bond going. But to hear them say it wouldn't have happened if granddad were alive. It, it was as if it, it was saying, you know, a man wouldn't have let this happen this way. But... I couldn't stop it or, you know, I didn't feel like I failed, but I definitely felt like there was a clear differentiation between what my kids saw as something a man could handle and as something a woman could handle. And we handled it different ways, I'm sure. And in my mind, I actually agreed with them. I was like, I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, yeah, you're right probably wouldn't happen if he had been around he would not have allowed this to play out like it did and I'm sorry that it played out that way but you know it's just the fact that they saw that a man would have circumvented the pain that they were experiencing at the time differently than the way I actually circumvented it so those are you know things that that just hit you. And I, I think if you are a, a parent raising children and you are raising them and you, and you have a father figure or, or you have grandparents around or who are close by, it does make a difference to them. And it hit me very clearly then that my children saw even the difference between a mother's love, a grandmother's love, and a grandfather's love. And, and that there is a clear distinction between the two. So, you know, I just recall, you know, all the things that my father did that I 
can't do, but I try to make sure that we talk about. And uh, I just, one, one thing that dad did with them that I think will carry them for the rest of their lives, I, I know it'll carry them for the rest of their lives, is he started having these talks with them. And I'm, for those who are listening, I'm doing the, you know, the air quotes um, because they were really puberty talks. Mom and I were not allowed to be in the room. They closed the door and my dad would have time with my oldest son and then he'd have time with the younger son. And they talked about things like puberty and growing up and how men treat women and, and just things that men discuss with men. And those are things where I miss so, I miss him dearly. Um, and I miss that about what they shared. But just even now to this day, they'll start talking about something. And I'm like, where did you hear that? Oh, granddad. Oh, granddad told me that. Oh, well, when granddad and I used to have our talks or when I would go in with him in the mornings before I go to school, granddad, you know, told me this or granddad did that. And, and that is to me just absolutely one of the things I think about uh, being in a, a, a single parent home is that's one of the things I think that I miss the most. I mean, you never think oh, I'm not going to have dad here through the teenage years or the preteen years when you need that. And he's not. And so uh, this weekend, especially that question hit like, bam. I mean, just a question came on Thursday and I went into the weekend like, man, it's Father's Day weekend. I'm already feeling some type of way. And now somebody's asking me, you know, what what makes you nervous or what scares you? And so, and I and I will say this too, you know, because I want to be clear. You don't necessarily want any man just around your children or any man in your home. Um, so I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, you know... A, like I said, some things happen with children who are from two-parent homes. It doesn't necessarily mean they have the right influence or the right force there either. And you don't want that. I don't want that. I mean, you, you want someone who definitely is God-fearing, faith-filled, and their actions match up with the Word, and their actions match up with what God says. There's no wondering, like, oh, what are they thinking or what are they doing? It's very clear who that person is, it's very clear that they are leading and following God and that they are leading your children in that way as well. So I'm not saying you just want to just go out and just find some warm body and say, hey, you know, mentor my kid or, hey, you know, go, I'm going into this particular rec program because there are men there. You still want to evaluate the quality of the people and the value of the people who are in your children's lives, no matter what, whether you're married in, in a two-parent home and you're signing them up for something recreational or, or not, that is still something that you want to evaluate. At least I do. That's something I think is important is character and, um, and where they line up with, you know, what I believe and what my faith says. So that being said, I just wouldn't throw them in anything or throw them in any group or put them out there because you don't necessarily know what's out there either. So you have to be very, very careful and very discerning about who you allow in your family's lives and in your children's lives. But what I would, what I do, because I, I've told you, you know, well, okay, that's my concern. 
I'm not going to say fear, but it does scare me sometimes. I'll say that's my concern, one of my biggest concerns. But what I do is I talk with them. I share wisdom. I The people who they're exposed to, I try to expose them to people who speak truth, who speak life, who walk in a way that if I'm no longer here, I wouldn't mind you being around them to, to walk in that way. And I share the memories of my dad. And we, like I say, we watch videos and we talk about dad and we tell stories about their grandfather because I think that is very important. And they do have a living grandfather. He's not in the same town as we're in, but they do have that, uh, that force, that positive force there. And they also have their father as well. So they have men in their lives, just not in the home and not as frequent and consistent of being there every day like my dad was. But with all of that, um, that is what I do to try to reinforce character and, and skill. And, and, you know, no, I'm not going to be able to teach them how to cut the grass. I'm not going to be able to teach them how to change oil. I'm, you know, not going to teach them how to, you know, change the HVAC filter. I actually have done a video about that, me and this filter situation. So that'll be released later. But those are things that I, I can't teach. But I can teach you how to treat and respect people, how to treat a young lady, because I'm a lady, so I know what ladies like. I can teach them those things, and I can teach them responsibility. And, you know, I do what I can, and I rely on God to do the rest. And I rely on God to send me the right people and the right resources um, to cover all of that that I can't cover. And where the manhood, where I where I drop off, where I drop the baton in the manhood game, I pray to God to reinforce that or to send someone uh, or send resources or people to fill in that gap for them. And then I pray that everything I put them in, every organization, every group, every team, uh, whether it's golf or swimming or tennis or baseball, whatever they're into this week, whatever it is, I pray that they are teaching things that line up with our value system in our home. And that's, that's my answer for that. That's all that I can do. Um, but no, a woman, to me, a woman can't teach a, a young man how to be a man. But I can do my very best to expose them to how to be a good human and a good person and rely on everything else and for God to fill in the blanks for all of that. So to answer your question, and thank you so much, for submitting that question. I can do a whole series on things that concern me. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say what scares me, but I guess so. We can even say scares. Um, we can say that because even if I start off in fear, I don't end up there and I don't stay there. And I hope you don't either. So yeah, even if something does scare you or make you a little nervous, yeah, at first, absolutely. But after you get down and get get down to the nitty-gritty of who you are and the nitty-gritty of what God has for you, then it is very easy to walk away from fear and just move that on up a little notch to concern. <laughs> so things that concern me and, uh, and, and then move from there into a place of positivity where you can actually affect and do something meaningful to take action and not sit in that place of, okay, what do I do next? Because we can't all get in that place of what do you do next? So, 
with that, good people, I don't know what's going on. I think I feel, ooh, I feel a little oil. I think I feel it. I think I feel my jerry curl. It might be time to wrap it up because I think my jerry curl is starting to drip on this neck here. And I, and I did it for my cousin because she told me, hey, start watching videos and do something. Make your natural hair. Just make it more natural looking or alive or whatever. I don't know what I was looking like. I guess I was looking... I don't know who knows what I was looking like but anyway y'all just keep your eyes on these earrings if you're watching the YouTube channel don't look at what's going on with the activator that's coming out of my head I've got to I'm gonna have to inbox that young lady and ask her exactly when you put that little squirt in your hand exactly how much what you doing what you got going on how much are you actually putting in there because obviously I did I did the most and um and my neck is feeling it as a result uh, but you guys, I just want to thank you all for the questions. First of all, I, I will, I'll check again. I might have some more questions. I don't even know. I know that was a good one. That was a poignant one. It was right on time. Um, because in this era that, and in what's going on in the world now and so many things and so many narratives taking place and people having opinions and talking, it is good to be honest and share from the gut what's really affecting you and your family or what's affecting you as a parent or as a you know an aunt or a godparent or a mother or a child whatever it is good to uh, really sit in that and to explore uh what you believe and then stand on it i know that um that's what i do i, I explore it pray about it and i stand on it and i stand on where i believe and what i believe to be true and i do believe that for everything that's taken away, there's something that is brought in its place, something better, something more positive. God does not leave us to or forsake us. And even though I'm missing my daddy terribly this Father's Day weekend, um, I know, I know, I know, I know in all of me that he is still with us in spirit and he has left so much wisdom. That's better than any financial inheritance is to be left with wisdom because that's something that I can share and pass on. It's something that my children will pass on. So he will be with us forever. Um, and that is a beautiful thing. So folks, you know, again, thank you for coming into the living room and for doing life with us. You know, if you are first time visitors and you're just joining us here, thank you thank you thank you for coming along if you are a repeat offender yeah hey thank you for doing life that's what we're doing together is life couldn't have done any of this without you want to thank you for your likes and your support remember if you're watching on youtube the subscription button is free all you do is take your finger boop, click it that's all it's so easy um please talk to me on instagram facebook and twitter at katie bryant writes uh, on my website, katiebryantwrites.com. Check out the blog. I've got a few farmhouse Fridays out there talking about cooking because that's what I love to do. In addition to tea, I love to cook. And remember, the tea of the episode is almond biscotti. It is so good. Get yourself some. And I just want to, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for riding with us. And I will see you when I see you.